0: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. We'll clip today from The Rachel Maddow Show, The Young Turks, The Bugle, Counterspin, On the Media, The Progressive, Media Matters, and The Jimmy Dore Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, especially those with a hair-trigger gag reflex, this episode does contain references to, as well as quotes from Rush Limbaugh.
1: You were in our green room getting ready to come on, and um, uh, the White House now tells us that we can reveal that you just got off the phone with President Obama. Yes, Um, I did. The stakes have been raised pretty high, but what did he say to you?
2: He, uh, you know, he encouraged me and supported me and, and thanked me for speaking out about the concerns of American women. And what was, what was really personal for me was that he said to, uh, to tell my parents that they should be proud. And that meant a lot because Rush Limbaugh questioned whether or not my family would be proud of me. So I just appreciated that very much.
3: Yet again, today on Andrea Mitchell's show, the biggest story in politics broke right here on MSNBC. Uh, The woman woman speaking with Andrea there, as you probably know, uh, was Sandra Fluke. She's a Georgetown University law student. Uh, She's the one who sparked the where are the women controversy in Congress last month. Uh, The Republicans in the House, Daryl Issa's committee in the House, called this panel of witnesses to testify on the issue of contraception being covered by health insurance. When the Democrats realized that the Republicans were not calling any women in their initial panel of witnesses at a contraception hearing, uh, they asked that Sandra Fluke be called as their Democratic witness uh, to testify about getting insurance through a Catholic institution that would not cover birth control and how it had cost a friend of hers one of her ovaries. Uh, The friend apparently needed contraception, not for birth control purposes, but for therapeutic purposes. Birth control, has hormonal birth control has a lot of therapeutic purposes other than just preventing getting pregnant. Uh, But because Ms. Fluck's friend had to navigate around Georgetown University's objections to her prescription, it ended up being too late for her, and she suffered serious health consequences. She lost an ovary. That was going to be Sandra Fluck's testimony about the importance of health insurance covering contraception. The Republican committee chairman, Darrell Issa, said that Sandra Fluck was not qualified to testify on the issue of contraception coverage, but he said these guys were. Um, some Democrats walked out of that hearing that day. House Democrats under Nancy Pelosi later convened um, not technically a hearing, because Democrats are in the minority so they can't convene hearings, but the Democrats convened a forum in which they heard that testimony from Sandra Fluck. the testimony that Daryl Issa would not allow. Republicans wouldn't allow it at the official hearing, but Democrats took it at their forum. Now, the reason the president ended up calling Sandra Fluck today while she was waiting to go on Andrea Mitchell's show is because a conservative talk radio host named Rush Limbaugh, who's very influential on the right, um, has been making the case on his show for the Republicans' position against contraception coverage. Um, And he's been making that case by personally attacking Ms. Fluck. And it's not like Mr. Limbaugh um, slipped up and accidentally said something offensive and maybe he'll apologize for it because he didn't mean it. He has been doing this for three straight days now. Uh, This was day one.
4: A Georgetown University co-ed told Representative Nancy Pelosi's hearing that the women in her law school program are having so much sex they are going broke. Apparently four out of every ten co-eds are having so much sex that it's hard to make ends meet if they have to pay for their own contraception, said Sandra Flukes Research can you imagine if you're her parents how proud of sandra fluke you would be your daughter goes up to a congressional hearing conducted by the botox filled nancy pelosi and testifies she's having so much sex she can't afford her own birth control pills what does it say about the college co ed susan fluke who goes before a congressional committee and essentially says that she must be paid to have sex. What does that make her? It makes her a slut, right? It
3: makes her a prostitute. That was uh, day one. The word that we cut off there was prostitute. He was calling her a hooker. Uh, that was day one for Mr. Limbaugh. So it wasn't like a slip of the tongue, right? Um, this was day two.
4: Ms. Fluke, have you ever heard of not having sex? Have you ever heard of not having sex so often? Ms. Fluke and the rest of you feminazis, here's the deal. If we are going to pay for your contraceptives and thus pay for you to have sex, we want something for it. And I'll tell you what it is. We want you to post the
3: videos online so we can all watch. Uh, Today, Mr. Limbaugh was still going for it. That was day two. Today, he's still going for it. Here's a sampling of what he had to say today.
4: It's no different than if somebody knocked on my door that I don't know and say, you know what, I, I'm out of money. I, I can't afford birth control pills and I'm, I'm supposed to have sex with three guys tonight.
3: Okay, so after those remarks, and after uh, Democrats bringing attention to them by saying uh, they wanted Republicans to denounce these remarks, or at least distance themselves from them, uh, President Obama today called Sandra Fluke to buoy her against these uh, kinds of attacks, which after all started because she wanted to testify on a public policy issue in Congress. Uh, And the President said specifically that her parents ought to be proud of her, uh, which was, uh, she said, was a nice thing in particular, given that the, the way Mr. Limbaugh had attacked her. And that was the biggest political news story of the day. The president weighing in on this situation and thereby implicitly putting Republicans on the spot to go ahead and say whether or not they believe it is attitudes like Mr. Limbaugh's about women and about sex and about birth control that are driving the Republican policy position that he supports, that are driving the anti-contraception effort that's going on in Republican Party politics right now. And while I think that is legitimately big political news, the president weighing in here Here's the thing about the talk radio part of this. I I know a little bit about this from having been a talk radio host for years, but it doesn't take any expert knowledge here to know how this works. People like the talk radio host in question here, Mr. Limbaugh, are banking, literally banking, is how they make their money. They're banking on you being offended by what they say. Mr. Limbaugh is trying to be provocative. He is trying to be offensive. He is trying to outrage you. He is trying to get you to talk about him, even if you don't listen to his radio show. He really wants to be very, very famous, even if it is for being a bad guy. This is what his radio show is for. This is what he does. He calls the first lady, Michelle Obama, uppity. He calls combat veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan, phony soldiers if they disagree with him on those wars. He made fun of Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's disease and said that Michael J. Fox was faking the effects of that disease for effect. A person does not say stuff like this and act like this accidentally. You don't stumble into positions like that, right? It was because Mr. Limbaugh did not get enough attention for calling this Georgetown law student a prostitute and a slut that he went back the next day and tried to get some more attention by saying anybody who wants insurance coverage for contraception ought to be forced to put their sex tapes online so he can enjoy them. A person says a thing like that to provoke outrage. And it works, outrage is provoked. Mr. Limbaugh's remarks have been denounced by everybody from the president of Georgetown University um, to the co-chair of the Republican Senate Campaign Committee uh, to his own advertisers. The blog Think Progress has been tracking reaction to Mr. Limbaugh's remarks uh, from his advertisers. At last count, four companies had decided to pull their advertising from Mr. Limbaugh's radio show. Another four had said they would look into the matter. And listen, when, when, when you shock people for a living, when that's your business plan, You are playing with fire a little bit. You can go too far. People do lose their shows. There's a reason why Glenn Beck is only on the internet now, right? And so maybe losing all these advertisers and being this over-the-top will be it for Rush Limbaugh. Maybe he's actually gone too far this time, and maybe he'll even apologize, but probably not. This is what he does for a living. He has done this for decades. And here's what I think might actually be the more important point here. The specific way in which Rush Limbaugh is being offensive on purpose to make everybody outraged exposes a big, underappreciated, and sort of embarrassing fact at the center of all of the politics on this issue, which is that I don't think he knows what birth control is. I mean, try, try, I'm gonna play one little part of it again. Try to listen to what he's saying here, not just for what's offensive about it, but listen to the argumentative point he is making. Listen to what he is trying to convince his listeners of when he says this, listen.
4: Ms. Fluke, have you ever heard of not having sex? Have you ever heard of not having sex so often? The women in her law school program are having so much sex, they are going broke buying birth control pills. She's having so much sex. She can't afford her own birth control pills. Apparently four out of every 10 co-eds are having so much sex that it's hard to make ends meet if they have to pay for their own contraception.
3: If you can put aside the fact here that Mr. Limbaugh is being mean, right? Remember, Remember that sometimes people are being mean because the fact that they don't understand something makes them angry and it makes them act belligerently about it. I think Rush Limbaugh doesn't know what birth control is. I think he doesn't understand what he's talking about. I don't think he understands how contraception works. I think that Rush Limbaugh thinks you take a birth control pill to avoid getting pregnant each time you have sex. So the more times you have sex, the more birth control pills you need. I mean, we're talking about birth control that is prescribed. That's the whole point here, prescription medication. That's why it would need to be covered by your health insurance. But you don't like, get a new IUD every time you're going to have sex. You don't have to go buy an individual birth control pill to cover each sexual incident which might result in you becoming pregnant. You just take one pill every day. It's a prescription deal, right? You take a birth control pill every day even if you're not gonna have sex at all that day or even if you're gonna have sex a thousand times that day. You just need the one pill for that day. You don't need more birth control to keep you not pregnant for more sex.
4: Have you ever heard of not having sex so often?
3: It doesn't matter how often you have sex. That does not increase the number of birth control pills you have to take. And so yes, Rush Limbaugh is acting like a jerk to make us all mad. Everybody's mad, as we should be, right? But more importantly, in showing his ignorance, he is helping us get back to the real problem of this debate, generally. The heart of this issue is the fact that you're bad at this, Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> you don't even understand how babies are made, let alone how people can have sex without making a baby. And you would like the government to take over decision-making on these issues on your say-so. And you don't get it. In your, you biologically don't get it. You just don't understand it. You were absent that day. In your radio studio, or, or on Capitol Hill, or on the campaign trail, or in the state legislatures, these guys are saying, we know best. Government should be making these decisions about women's health. We've got it all figured out. And frankly, this is not a talk radio problem. This is also Mitt Romney's problem on this issue. Mitt Romney told Mike Huckabee that he would absolutely support a constitutional amendment that would define a fertilized egg as a person personhood thing, right? Even before Mississippi voted that down, Mitt Romney said he would have supported that at the state level when he was governor of Massachusetts. Mississippi said no to personhood because the personhood amendment wouldn't just ban all abortion. A personhood amendment would probably ban hormonal contraception as well. And Mitt Romney says he is all for contraception, but he would support personhood.
2: You were on Governor Huckabee's show a few weeks ago and one of the things that you folks talked about uh, was that you would support um, a life begins at conception amendment now that would essentially mean banning most forms of birth control 98% of American women including me use birth control so could you help me understand why you oppose the use of birth control
5: I don't (laughs) I'm sorry, life begins at conception, birth control prevents conception.
3: What she's asking Mitt Romney is the right question. And he has no idea what she is talking about. You can see he looks puzzled and he kind of makes the joke and looks around, is there something I'm not getting here? Yes, there's something you're not getting here. Mitt Romney does not understand how contraception works. This is how the birth control pill works. It's how the IUD works. It's how the morning after pill works. This is how that ring thing your girlfriend told you about that you didn't totally understand. This is how that works. This is how birth control that is used by the vast majority of American women works. This is how hormonal birth control works. This is how the birth control works that Mitt Romney told Mike Huckabee he would like to make illegal when he said he supports a life begins at conception constitutional amendment. That's what we tried to explain with the man cave diagram, right, way back in the day. Mitt Romney doesn't understand what contraception is, and he is running for president. Rush Limbaugh also does not understand what contraception is, and he, right now, is reveling in the nation being so outraged about all the offensive things he said about it in the last few days. And President Obama, he made national news today by calling the woman Rush Limbaugh has been calling a slut and a prostitute and attacking on his radio show. The president making news by calling that woman before she went on Andrea Mitchell's show today, thereby weighing into this dispute. Now, does President Obama understand what contraception is and how it works? I don't know. I kind of assume that he does. But the point is that there is a difference between the two parties on this issue right now. And it maybe doesn't matter if he gets it. Because he's not, and the Democrats aren't, playing doctor on this issue. They are not saying that the government should be the ones who make the decisions about contraception and how your lady parts work. You should make that decision with your doctor, privately. Government doesn't have a role there. And so, yes, Rush Limbaugh is a jerk. But more importantly, Rush Limbaugh is a dummy. And if you want government-making decisions on childbirth and abortion and fertility and contraception, you being a dummy is a way bigger problem than you being a
0: jerk. Once there was this girl
6: has done something vile here, and pretty much the entire country agrees. There is one defender of Rush Limbaugh, and that is Bill O'Reilly. Interesting. He's going to have Bernie Goldberg on. Actually, I would make two of them, and they're going to blame the victim instead. Let's watch.
5: One here's a here's a woman who is smart enough to get into Georgetown Law. She's smart enough to get into that school. She's smart enough to get into a whole bunch of other schools. Yet, she thinks that a Catholic university, which she Consciously decided to attend should change its values to suit to suit her. That discussion isn't really Yeah And, then you just let me, and the reason in, in she did that way. is she knew that Georgetown's insurance policies that cover students did not include contraception right. when she there should agreed be, to go to the school. There should be more of a discussion about that. Really?
6: So wait. First of all, it's her fault second of all she planned this out years ahead of time i got it i'll specifically go to a law school that never doesn't cover contraception so i can make a big issue of that if the republicans decide many many years later to randomly try to take away contraception coverage how in the world would she have possibly guessed that Like maybe she okay there maybe their conspiracy theory doesn't involve the Republicans. It's just that she was going to fight this lonesome battle to get Georgetown to cover contraception since it's a Jesuit school. That's no, she picked Georgetown Law School because it's a great law school. What was she supposed to do? Go to Podunk Law School on the contraception issue alone? People don't do these weird conspiracies, except Republicans. That's, I guess, why they're projecting. They're like, that's why we would have gone there. So we can then say, oh, look at what the liberals did to us. But the reality is normal people don't think that way. This was not some crazy conspiracy hatched by Sandra Flux so that she can go to law school so she can complain about the contraception, she can set up a re- trap for all the Republicans, and then get Rush Limbaugh to call her a slut so that he, you know, she can get Rush Limbaugh. If she did that, she's the smartest person in the country and we should make her president. But they go on with their madness here.
5: Where's the discussion about what other products can the federal government require businesses to give out for free? That's that's a very important question. That's what I said hey, on Friday. Not... I mean, if you're going to say exactly. this is under the banner of women's health, all right then there's a whole bunch of other products that are under the banner of not only women's health but men's health so where does it end this woman also again and she she was very civil in her testimony i have no problem with that my only problem is with the content of what she said Uh, she is a poster person for the entitlement society let's have a discussion about that I, I, these guys make my head hurt.
6: All right, so let's establish a couple of facts here. Number one, she is not asking for things to be given to her for free. So, for example, if you're a Catholic hospital, what the rule says is that since your employer normally gives you certain things like health care coverage, part of that health care coverage is going to be contraception. And the Catholic hospital doesn't even have to pay for it, the insurance company pays for it because it saves them money. So, what, how's the taxpayer paying any money for this? They're not. They just made it up. Rush Limbaugh, Bill O'Reilly, Foxes, they made that part up. It's just not true. Second of all, this isn't like, hey, give me some sneakers. <laughs> as Rush Limbaugh said, no, this is, I get health care coverage for my hospital, or in her case, she's a student, and as part of her tuition, she gets some health care coverage. And part of that health care coverage is, for example, You know, breast cancer screenings, possibly, contraception. If she has a heart attack, they cover. What what are they going to cover? Entitlement Society. You have a heart attack at Georgetown, and they expect to take you to the hospital and get some medical treatment. Yeah. Yeah, because you're a student there. That's how it works. And this isn't some sort of entitlement grab. This is everything, but if you're an employee, it's part of your. Package if you're a student it's part of your tuition so you're paying into it and in this case the insurance company's covering it The taxpayers aren't giving these people anything extra stop making things up Fox News when you-
7: And uh, something for new listeners to know, every week a section of The Bugle, being as it is an audio newspaper, goes straight in a bin in the manner of uh, one of your traditional print newspapers. And this week it's a book section, including uh, a review of the new book from American Shock TV host Rush Limbaugh, an invaluable self-help guide, Are You a Prostitute? (laughs) A step-by-step guide to working out whether you are or are not selling your body for sex for a living. Fully updated and including a special additional chapter including... What? Are you sure you're not a prostitute? Absolutely sure, because I think you might be a prostitute. Come over here and let me run my prostitute meter over you. Yep, as I thought, you are a prostitute. <laughs> uh, so I've got the book here. Uh, John, let's find out if, if you yourself okay. are a prostitute. Yeah, i happy, um, happy to. Have you ever used any form of birth control? Um, yes, I have, yeah. Prostitute. Oh. Have you ever used medicine? Yeah, I have to admit, I have. Prostitute, you no. wanted to stay alive so you could do some more whoring. <laughs> have you ever been paid money for work? Yeah, I have. Prostitute! <laughs> you take money for one thing, you've opened that moral vortex, John. You were probably taking it for having thrumper dunks with someone as well. Do you think women should have the votes? I'm putting you on the spot here, John. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a man who's been married within the last year. Prostitute. <laughs> Did we have state-funded birth control before women had the vote? No, no, no. Have you ever been, or will you potentially ever be married? Yes. Prostitute. <laughs> All that shit about sharing, sharing everything you've got. If that's not a mom- money or property for humping exchange, I don't know what is. And final question: Are you a woman? No. You're off the hook. <laughs> Oh right up to that point, I felt like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, <laughs> and you look like her as well, John. Save me, Richard Gere. <laughs> Save me from myself. I never even knew you could carry a dress like that.
8: There seems to be a popular line emerging in the Rush-Limbaugh-Sandra Fluke controversy that says his comments are especially harmful because they distract attention from the real issues. As conservative columnist Kathleen Parker put it in the Washington Post on March 4th, quote, "...inadvertently, Limbaugh helped advance the argument from the left that Republicans are waging a war against women. He has given his feminazis justification for their claims that conservatives hate women." Close quote. According to conservative pundit Peggy Noonan on ABC's This Week, on March 4th, what Limbaugh said was destructive because, quote, it confused the issue. It played into this trope that the Republicans have a war on women. No, they don't. But he made it look that way. Close quote. And the Washington Post's Sally Quinn, appearing on March 6th on the Fox News channel, said that Obama had been given a huge gift by the Republicans, the religious right, and Rush Limbaugh, quote, because what he has done, what they have done, is managed to make the Republicans and the religious right look as though they are anti-woman, close quote. Of course, the other way of looking at this is that this is not a distraction, but an illustration of Republican policies that are... Anti woman. To be fair, Quinn did mention that later as one possibility. Is
10: Last week, in a quintessential display of his sense of humor and proportion, radio strongman Rush Limbaugh went nutso on Georgetown Law student Sandra Fluke, who'd had the temerity to seek health coverage for birth control pills.
4: What does it say about the college co-ed Susan Fluke, who goes before a congressional committee and essentially says that she must be paid to have sex? What does that make her? It makes her a slut, right? makes her a prostitute. She wants to be paid to have sex. Limbaugh apologized twice for what
10: he characterized as a poor choice of words, but no one was buying. Literally, by week's end, shamed by the uproar in the media, both social and mainstream, more than 40 advertisers had bailed from the program. But before that mass exodus began, blogger Ellie Reeve of com phoned advertisers to see what plans they had. And what she found was surprising. Many of the sponsors told her they weren't sponsors at all. At least, not intentionally.
11: Netflix offered a really detailed explanation, which was the ad had accidentally been dropped in during the half-hour break where they read the news and the weather and stuff like that. Amberin, it's a weight loss supplement. They say that they're a bulk buyer of ads, that they buy remnant ads, and they have no choice over when those air. Goodwill, on the other hand, said that they had bought ads on a sister station of the radio station I listen to, WMAL in DC, and that the ads had accidentally aired on Rush Limbaugh's show.
10: And what about Geico, which is one of the big broadcast advertisers in the country. You heard one of their ads on his show, right?
11: That's right. Geico said that since 2004, they have made sure not to advertise on Rush's show. But if you go and, and you Google it off and on, there have been the controversies over Geico advertising on Rush Limbaugh's show. It's an ongoing problem.
10: Would it be fair to say that uh, their explanation did not correspond with your reporting on this issue?
11: I'll put it this way. If it's a mistake, it It happens a lot. It's (laughs) happened over and over and over.
10: What have we learned through this exercise?
11: The power of social media. If you look at the Facebook pages of these advertisers, the small ones especially, their pages are filled with angry people, mostly women, saying, how could you associate with these kind of comments? So you can understand why they responded so quickly, even after Limbaugh apologized.
10: Here's a question for you. Does this teach you about being careful with your words?
11: Yes, especially since I write on a blog, we write very fast. There's always a temptation to come up with something really catchy as a way to describe somebody. I will not be going with slut or prostitute, that's for sure.
10: Probably a very good move. Thank you very much, Ellie. Thank you, Bob. Ellie Reeve blogs for TheAtlanticWire.com. If what advertisers told her is true, that they were accidental underwriters of Russia's Rush to Judgment, and brands that spend millions of dollars on radio commercials don't even know what they're buying, this suggests an obvious follow-up question. Huh? Yet Kim Vasey, director of radio ad purchases for the media-buying giant Group M Media, says the denials are quite plausible.
1: Because if you're buying a program such as a rush, we know exactly where that spot is running if we buy program specific. If we're just buying day part, morning, midday, afternoon, across a thousand radio stations around the country, you may lose sight of where that may inadvertently end up.
10: I can see how an advertiser would have his spots fall on ears that he hadn't specifically requested. But I also know that advertisers care deeply about what they call the editorial environment. Advertisers who might advertise, for example, in People magazine might not want to advertise an Mm -hmm. outlaw biker. Aren't there advertisers who make clear to their media buying houses that they don't want any part of a controversial talk show like Rush Limbaugh's?
1: Yes, and generally on the traffic instructions that go to the stations, there will be a space on that page for an advertiser to write down all the different types of programs that they do not want to be in. Unfortunately, in several situations, what happened with the Rush Limbaugh show is that those traffic instructions were not really being adhered to correctly, and they inadvertently fell into a show.
10: Now, there has been quite an exodus of advertisers. Between 40 and quite a bit more than 40 have been reported. Do you think this could kill the program? It's happened before.
1: You know, there's been situations with Rush specifically before. There's been situations with other uh, talk show personalities like Michael Savage, Dr. Laura over time. Um, you know, the biggest uh, offense, I guess, was with Imus, and that actually, you know, was the demise of his show. Certainly, it will have an impact on their, you know, bottom line revenue for quite some time.
10: Now, Limbaugh thundered for his audience that uh, he doesn't care about this because he's got 18,000 advertisers just champing at the bit to be on the Rush Limbaugh show. Has your phone been ringing off the hook with 18,000 advertisers trying to buy time?
1: Not one. And, in fact, I did receive a call, however, from one of the, the companies that we do business with that has inventory...
10: Could you reproduce for me the sort of tone of voice?
1: Hey, Kim, this probably doesn't come as a big surprise to you, but uh, in case you do have any advertisers out there, I have plenty of spots to sell you um, if you want to uh, have a great deal on inventory.
10: Fire sale, everything must go?
1: I think I could probably get it for less than fire sale prices, like $0. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I didn't have one single taker.
10: All right, Kim. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome.
12: What a shocker that Rush Limbaugh made gross, sexist comments. He traffics in sexism and racism. It's his stock in trade. And he's made a fortune out of it, raking in $50 million a year. But now this primitive blowhard has stepped over the line, even for him, with his hideous remarks about Georgetown Law School student Sandra Fluke. And at last, he's getting at least a measure of comeuppance from advertisers. Well, it's about time. To wonder why any self-respecting company would have wanted to be associated with his show anyway. But the amazing thing is that the leading Republican candidates have been oh-so-careful in not offending the gas bag. All Romney said was it's not the language I would have used. Santorum said Limbaugh was just being absurd which is what entertainers do. And Gingrich, while not endorsing Limbaugh's sexist remarks, tried to blame the media for giving them so much coverage. Ron Paul, at least, said Limbaugh's apology was insincere and motivated only by fear of losing more advertising revenue. But all the candidates missed an opportunity to say this kind of language is intolerable and offensive to women all over the country. Only John McCain denounced Limbaugh in such terms. And McCain, he's not running this year. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it.
13: Hey, this is Lee Camp. I hope you've enjoyed having my Moment of Clarity rants pumped into your skulls. If you have, you would almost definitely love my free Moment of Clarity backstage podcast where I discuss the topics of the day. You know, the little things like the corporate raping and pillaging of our world. I also have on fun, awesome guests like this lady.
10: My name is Janine Garofalo.
4: This guy. Hi, I'm John Oliver. Even sometimes this guy. This is Greg Pallas and I've got my zipper caught in Moments of Clarity.
13: Free at Lee Camp. Leecamp.net, iTunes, Stitcher, or the Android app. Plus, there's a Moment of Clarity book for those of you who thought I love Moment of Clarity, but I hate how I can't lick it. Well, now you can. The Moment of Clarity book and ebook. Get it at Leecamp.net or
5: on most e-reader platforms. And remember, keep fighting and stay angry.
3: I was late to work today. Um, and it was because I had a really nice lunch. I had a really nice lunch with this guy. Uh, That's me and conservative columnist Cal Thomas, who I met today in person for the first time. We had a really nice lunch, Um, and I feel okay talking about this publicly because Mr. Thomas wrote a column about the fact that we were going to do this, so everybody who cares about us having lunch uh, knows about it already. The reason we met today is because Mr. Thomas made a comment about me at CPAC this year, uh, an insulting comment, and he felt bad about it once he said it. He called me the following morning and he apologized to me. His apology was really contrite and really kind. He then went a step further and wrote about it publicly, apologizing again in print in an unqualified, totally sincere way. He said, quote, I had embarrassed myself and was a bad example to those who read my column and expect better from me. An apology like that is a really easy apology to accept. I mean, if you, if you believe that people screw up and that apologizing is the right way to deal with a screw up, then it's, it's very simple. When you are confronted with a sincere, uncomplicated apology, it is the easiest thing in the world to accept that. A good apology, a real apology, essentially erases the mistake. I mean, you don't forget it happened, but you really do forgive it. It's not hard. You move on. You learn from the experience. And you sometimes get a nice lunch with a big tall conservative guy who turns out to be very nice and very funny. Anyway, a sincere apology, I have always felt, is, is like magic. It really does make bad things go away. That said, an insincere apology or a bad apology does not work the same kind of magic which is why conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh is still in the news today. Still losing major advertisers, at least nine at last count, and today, for the first time, losing radio stations that carried his program. The Huffington Post reporting tonight on two radio stations announcing plans to drop Mr. Limbaugh's program. And he's now facing the possibility that he could be dropped from Armed Forces Radio, which is a really important place to be if you are in political talk radio. All this is part of the continuing fallout from Mr. Limbaugh attacking a Georgetown University law student as a slut and a prostitute and somebody who ought to put her sex tapes online. Someone who only advocated for insurance coverage for contraception because she was a morally despicable person and a shame to her family. Mr. Limbaugh made those attacks over three consecutive days during his show last week. Then over the weekend, he issued a statement which did have the word apologize in it, but which also said that he was just trying to make a joke and that people were wrong to care about what he said in the first place and that it wasn't meant as a personal attack. And he said that his overall argument, frankly, was still true. Mr. Limbaugh then went back on the radio again today and said that the only reason he attacked this law student in the first place is because he was possessed by the left, that the values of the American left wing were what made him say these awful things, and furthermore, the only thing he really apologized for were two specific words, the words slut and prostitute, um, words that he used against that law student, he presumably meant all the rest of it. When you apologize like that, there's no magic. Nothing gets better. And so the pressure is continuing today on Mr. Limbaugh's remaining advertisers. Uh, And now that the first two stations have dropped his program, expect further pressure on other stations around the country, particularly where he is not very well rated, uh, to drop his program as well. Beyond Mr. Limbaugh's profit margin, however, it it seems that the biggest political impact of his failed attempt at a sort of apology uh, may be on the Republican presidential race. Here was how Mitt Romney answered when he was asked on Friday about Mr. Limbaugh's comments. I remember this was before Rush Limbaugh apologized, sort of, about what he'd said. I'll
5: just say this, which is, it's not the the language I would've used.
3: It's not the language you would've used? Like you wouldn't have said slut or prostitute, but other than that, you were cool with it? Mitt Romney is giving the same caliber of apology for Rush Limbaugh that Rush Limbaugh did. I mean, remember what what Rush Limbaugh said, among other things, was that this young woman was a slut and a prostitute who couldn't afford contraception because she had too much sex. Because in Rush Limbaugh's mind, the more sex you have, the more birth control pills you must take or something. The only problem Mitt Romney has with all of that is that he wouldn't have used that specific language, but the rest of it is okay. This started off as a Rush Limbaugh problem. It still is a Rush Limbaugh problem. It's not getting any better for him. But it is now also a Mitt Romney for president problem.
14: This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Bradley Herring. Rush Limbaugh continued his misogynistic tirade this week. He went after Alexandra Petri of the Washington Post. Her recent article suggested Limbaugh had accepted advertising from AshleyMadison.com, a service aimed towards men and
4: women looking to have affairs.
14: Here's Limbaugh's reaction,
4: Miss Petrie. I I don't know who feeds you your information. I have a pretty good guess, but you might you might want to double check here because you've written something that's patently false. It's an out and out lie, complete with your bi-itchy opinion in it, and it is untrue. Limbaugh
14: also attacked author Tracy McMillan. He criticized her for being an overeducated white woman,
4: and even created a new term for her. We had a story this week from a. Recently college graduated authorette claiming that the private sector is the only area, it's the last remaining place where the government doesn't have any say so.
13: All right. Well, Rush Limbaugh. I started out. He caused a firestorm, that we're still in the middle of, as we're mm. taping this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all started when Sandra Fluke or Fluk, Fluck, Fluck Fluke. Fluk, Fluk, I don't know how to say her name. Mm-hmm. A law student at Georgetown testified in front of Congress on how important access to reproductive health services it was for a college student. In fact, she told a story about her lesbian friend mm-hmm. who needed birth control to help uh, for a condition she had, and. She couldn't afford it. With, didn't with hormones? Get it. Yes, her with yeah. hormonal therapy. Ovarian insist.: yeah. So she couldn't get it, and she lost her ovary mm-hmm. because of it. So that's what she was called to testify about. Mm-hmm. And then he eventually he called her a slut, and he called her a prostitute, but Rush immediately recognized his egregious behavior had crossed the line, and he immediately did the right thing and proceeded to attack her 54 more times so, <laughs> yes. over the next three days. Mm-hmm. And then he waited until his advertisers, advertisers started jumping ship, And then courageously stepped up and offered an insincere apology, proving the old axiom that no man stands taller than when he insincerely apologized to stop the money drain. (laughs) (laughs) And I just – can I just say Rush lost sponsors over this? Really? They weren't listening all those other times? <laughs> right, right. Is this where they draw the line? Sure, you can say hateful things about minorities, the poor, and women for years and years. Mm-hmm. But, sir, the moment you say prostitute, you have crossed the line, a line in which you got caught. I, 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 you know, Rush Limbaugh, to his defense, he normally does walk that fine line mm-hmm. between ugly, hateful slander and losing mattress advertisers. (laughs) He does like to walk that line. So you want, so we, should we hear some, let's hear some of it, some of the stuff that he said. Okay, I know we've all heard it, Amir, but this is, here's how it all started.
4: What does it say about the college co-ed Susan Fluke who goes before a congressional committee and essentially says that she must be paid to have sex? What does that make her? It makes her a slut, right? It makes her a prostitute. She wants to be paid to have sex. And
13: what does it say about a bloated drug addict who tells blatant lies in order to smear and intimidate a female law student? <laughs> I don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anybody? I
15: think that, um, uh, you know, speaking of God and tornadoes, I could feel the presence of God in that music that was playing behind <laughs> him because it was like... That's like I assume that's the music of like you've got to wrap it up. We're going to commercial. Uh-huh. So it was God coming in in the form of music. Don't stop talking, Rush. Go to a commercial. Yeah. But he he ignored
16: it. it. Was
13: already at ten. Yeah. The volume was already at ten. <laughs> that was that was God trying to uh, lay down the sledgehammer. yes
16: yeah. And Peter Gabriel was quite upset. He, when he was when upset. he heard. Oh, was that, that Peter
15: Gabriel? Music yeah, that in was the, the, the movie background? Sledgehammer yes, yes. or the, oh. song
16: the song Sledgehammer. Yeah. He was very upset when he oh. found out that uh, I think he had his
13: music pulled uh, from the show or yeah. something like that. I didn't know you could. Do that. I thought that once well, he
15: requested that it not be. Well, speaking of the Bible, a lot of uh, Peter Gabriel's uh, teachings are revealed in Genesis. <laughs>
12: Because oh, he used cause to be the head of Genesis. He to be folks, in,
13: Genesis. in case you don't know yeah. anything about prog rock, I,
16: I love that you refer to him yeah. as the head of Genesis. I <laughs> Phil Collins
15: was there. Phil Collins. He was demoted was the, eventually. Phil no, yeah. Collins was the drummer, and Peter Gabriel was the
16: lead, the lead singer. But
13: Gabriel yeah. left right. in the mid '70s, and, and Phil Collins, Collins took over, became over Genesis. And but he it was became originally president. Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Was the vice president? Of <laughs>
15: he was. You know, they have elections. It's a democracy.
13: Yeah, <laughs> that seems fair. That's how rock and roll is. <laughs> okay. So he said. He said a lot of things. Now th- these are the two major things that people are upset. That
4: and then this. He said this. She's having so much sex, she can't afford the contraception. She wants you and me and the taxpayers to pay her to have sex. What does that make us? Oh no, we're the pimps. If we're going to have to pay for this, then we want something in return. Ms. Fluke, and that would be the videos of all this sex posted online so we can see what we are getting for our money. No, that's not creepy
9: at all. <laughs>
8: he
16: has managed to be hateful and creepy at the. At, well, I suppose hateful and creepy kind of always go together.
13: He says it one more time. He says it one more time, even creepy. Not, to He's me, put them together like a peanut butter cup,
15: <laughs> which he knows a lot about.
13: <laughs> hey, you got your hate in my misogyny. You got your misogyny in my hate. <laughs> it's called the Rush Limbaugh Show. Okay, so here's. He said it even a little creepier uh, later.
4: If we are going to pay for your contraceptives and thus pay for you to have sex, we want something for it. And I'll tell you what it is. We want you to post the videos online so we can all watch.
13: Just, whew,
4: just wow. gives, uh, gives me the cr- cringes. I just yeah.
13: cringe every time. It's this old man talking about a young, pretty girl who was smart. She's got forty degrees, right. yeah. and, and
15: and you know, and and all of his hate is um, um, obscures the fact that that he's really misrepresenting her. You know, he, he that yes. she wasn't talking about having sex, and that no. she wants, And also, as uh, Rachel Maddow and others have pointed out, he seems to think that. That the, the way birth control works is you take a pill right before you have sex.
13: Right. <laughs> yes, that's not how so it works. So,
15: like a, a woman having a lot of sex needs a lot of birth control pills.
13: Right. Uh, it's funny that he uh, thinks that, right? So, why, why is this? Well,
15: because his experience with birth control is just the fact that he's Rush Limbaugh. <laughs>
13: <laughs> well, he takes Viagras, right? He got caught taking. Yeah, he was, he was a sex tourist Se- in the Central America. Yes. Are uh, you serious? Yes. Yeah, so when he was coming back from Central America, he brought with him like a uh, a ton of uh, Viagra. Mm-hmm. And so now, is that fact that he was a mm-hmm. sex tourist in Central America?
15: It's,
16: it's fact no, as far well, as the Jimmy Dore show yeah, is concerned. As far as <laughs> like I'm willing to speculate, I can
13: about believe that. it because I'd know. like to go to court uh, and have him sue uh, me over that. Yeah. yeah. Well,
15: actually, the. Um, the sex workers there, for the first time ever, they refused to say, uh, "Me, love you
13: long time.": <laughs> 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 me So lo- love
5: you five minutes."
13: <laughs> so he was coming back into the country with all this Viagra that I think that he had purchased right. down there, and they were like, "Hey, you can't, you can't do You can't bring in a prescription drug into America unless mm-hmm. it has your name on it. And it didn't, mm-hmm. so that's what—that's how he got. And he, I heard it was like fifty-eight hundred pills right. or something.
15: Well, that's like the reason um, I, I don't go to the brothels down there because I've heard they've gotten really touristy. <laughs>
13: <laughs> <laughs>
4: okay, he said. He, he, he said this too. Thirty years old, a student at Georgetown Law, who admits to have so much sex that she can't afford it anymore. I will buy all of the women at Georgetown University as much aspirin to put between their knees as they want.
13: Wow. Just silence. (laughs) Just silence. But he has a good excuse. You know, he has a good excuse of why he said this. Right? Ready? Ready? I use satire. Okay, that's, <laughs> there you but, go. But not in that case, though. He uses satire. I didn't, I didn't. So I just want to give you an example of... Uh, of I thought satire
4: was funny. Here's, here's his, ready? If we are going to pay for your contraceptives and thus pay for you to have sex, we want something for it. And I'll tell you what it is. We want you to post the videos online so we can all watch. I use satire. <laughs> Does he
16: understand that satire is
13: how you speak to power? Right. So this is let me let me make the point. Satire
15: here. is what you apologize for on Saturday night. <laughs> so
13: now people. And we're going to get to the, we're going to get to those points later with Howard Kurtz. Yeah. Uh, so let me let me go ahead and make the, the let's just say it right now that people are going. Hey, Bill. My, well, I'll play it. I'll, I'll play the thing about Bill.
1: Many conservatives while not condoning limbaugh's comments question whether there is a double standard at play comedian bill maher who last week gave one million dollars to a super PAC supporting President Obama has said some nasty things about Sarah Palin calling her the
3: c-word and other names without repercussion
8: she says these tsunamians will not get away with this oh, oh speaking of dumb did you um,
11: Media critic and
3: host of CNN's Reliable Sources, Howard Kurtz, says conservatives do have a point here.
13: So here's a media critic. We're going to get to him in a a second, but here it is, Howard Kurtz, and I guess we're going to get to him right now. There is a bit of a double standard here. When Ed Schultz of MSNBC
6: used the same word slut to talk about radio host Laura Ingram, it was a little bit of a controversy, but nothing like this. Bill Maher has also used some very (sighs) graphic language in taking on people like Sarah Palin. So I think that because, uh, in part because because Limbaugh looms as such a large figure, but also because he's a conservative who has a lot of enemies on the left, uh, this seems to have um, been blown up more than some of these other cases.
13: Yeah, it's, been, it's because he has more enemies on the left than Bill Maher has on the right. That's what, that's what he's <laughs> saying. Also, um, that's, what, that's what Howard Curtis has just said. Uh, so, um, and not, let me explain why this is wrong, Frank, mm-hmm, for people. Mm-hmm. The difference between what Bill Maher did and what Rush Limbaugh did is when, you're, you, when you ridicule someone who's in power and has power... That's called comedy. When you ridicule someone who is powerless, that's called bullying. Mm. That's called bullying and intimidation. And that's exactly what Rush and was doing. He wasn't being satirical. He wasn't being funny. He was being creepy, hateful, and slanderous. And so that's the difference. And what Ed Schultz did was just stupid, right? Mm. Because Laura Ingram actually has more power – and with more popularity. Right, and, and, At
15: worst, they're equal. And well, well, uh, um, Ed Schultz said it uh, one time in the middle of a thing, and, and it was wrong for him to say it. He apologized. He took himself off the air voluntarily. He, he since he he gave a profuse apology. He apologized to, to her Laura Ingram, and she accepted his apology personally. He he apolog- personally apologized to her, and. Rush Limbaugh, as we just listened to, went on and on and on and on about this for three days. How you can say that it's a double standard or it's the same thing It's right. just crazy. Well, that's
16: why that's crazy. And, and, uh, and Sandra uh, Fluker, or however you pronounce her last yes. name, did not choose to appear – uh in the media she mm. was asked to testify if yes. i'm not, if i'm not right. mistaken and, well
15: her her her, her initial f- uh so-called fame came from the fact that she was supposed to testify before a senate committee and daryl Issa wouldn't allow her to testify and they had that committee of all like seven men and about reproductive about rights reproductive not, rights, a, single not a single woman and that's right. it's really daryl isa who started this whole thing
13: yeah Yes, and people are saying that say, that the Obama administration orchestrated all this. They put—I her...
15: know—I
16: can't believe that people are saying that sometimes. they put. They put. They're not that well organized.
13: They're saying that she, he, he put her. They put her out there. They knew that. They knew that first of all, Daryl Issa wouldn't allow her to testify. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they knew the right wing would make a big stink out of mm-hmm. it. Thirdly, they knew Rush Limbaugh would reveal himself to be the maniacal, creepy, misogynistic a <laughs> mm-hmm. hole that he mm-hmm. is. They they knew all that would happen mm-hmm. when they had. They didn't know any of that. None of this stuff. It, 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 yeah, sure. They're that. If they're that smart right I think they, the, excuse me I think the point that Paul makes uh, I just want to do uh, I just want to do enlarge on that a little bit uh is, uh, enlarge the word. The thing with, the thing with this woman, Sandra Fluke, is that she's unknown to the world except for this one thing. So she doesn't have a chance to do other right. things like Rush Limbaugh can go and say anything he wants or right. Laura, Laura Ingram. Right. But this Sandra Fluke is only known as a slut as the woman mm. who Rush Limbaugh believes is a slut. Yes. So, so her reputation is damaged. Yes. That
16: way. And, and Sandra Fluke didn't choose to run for public office. Right. And
13: when Ed Schultz called Laura Ingram a slut, he called, he, he called her he wasn't calling her a sexual slut he right. wasn't shaming her sex uh, he was shaming her integrity he called
15: her what a conservative for taking slut- money
13: from the Koch she uh, call, called her a slut for the Koch brothers money um, uh, it was our corporate slut it was in right. that it mm. was about her being taking money from these people mm. to misinform other people it right. wasn't about her sexuality she mm. wasn't shaming he wasn't shaming her sexuality mm. he did make a dumb you know as far as a public person a dumb choice in right. that situation mm. but it certainly wasn't even the same usage Rush Limbaugh was literally shaming that woman's sexuality.
15: And also, you can't find, like, a history in Ed Schultz right. of misogyny, misogyny. Uh, at least on the air. I don't know what he's like in real life, mm-hmm. but on the air, he's... You, you, and whereas Rush Limbaugh, there's literally a 30 year trail of him doing stuff just as bad as this, but maybe not as quite as crude. But he's he said a million things, not just misogynist, but racist things yes. as well. Getting he, away he, he with played them. um you know Barack the Mag- Magic Negro song and it on re- his show. Reminds you know? me
13: that just last week was the hundredth birthday for the Oreo cookie, which is my favorite cookie, and uh, Rush Limbaugh's favorite smear of a President Obama. Right, right. He called so, him a African American, African, which does he does he hate more I yeah, mean, I, I'm, yeah i'm not sure but he did rush did make an apology so we have to we have to listen
4: i again sincerely apologize to miss fluke for using those two words to describe her. The- but you know, he doesn't apologize.
13: But the whole video thing. Or the frequency
16: yeah. with Fre- which
13: you hammered her. The, the three days over, three days, over and over. It wasn't like he got, uh, he got worked up into one segment and he ended up saying that stuff and he regretted it. He said that all day, and then he got up the next day, said it all day the next day, got up the next day, said it all day the, after he'd had already heard the outrage.
4: Uh-huh. He'd heard the outrage. He, he knew people were upset. So, okay. The apology to her over the weekend was sincere. <laughs> it was simply for using inappropriate words in a way I never do. <laughs>
13: In a way, I'd never do. But you know why he really did it? Here's why Here's why he really did it. So you think that wasn't mm, enough of right. an excuse, enough of a... Boy, gutsy the way he stands up. And just choice of words
16: was the problem? Yes. Not the intent? Not the behind thought it. behind the words. What? A, what
13: a spineless... What a speaking spineless. of spineless,
15: that's all like Mitt Romney criticized him for. I wouldn't
16: have yes, used, he used those, those words. words. I
13: still would have shamed that woman uh, for testifying uh, about reproductive
16: health. You're talking about Mitt Romney who owns Bain Capital, who owns Clear Channel, <laughs> yeah. which owns Rush Limbaugh
13: show? Oh, my God. I never even thought of that.
4: I acted too much like the leftists who despise me. <laughs> that's why he did it. I descended to their level using names and exaggerations to describe Sandra Flock. It's what we have come to know and expect of them, but it's way beneath me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh-huh.
6: Wow.
13: Oh, man. That, 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 that was pretty sweet. Yeah. Was it not?
17: Hey, Jay, it's Joe from Nanjing, China again. Just listened to the last podcast. Okay, I'll grant you, maybe the comparison is a little, you know, it's not necessarily balanced, but a couple points. Uh, And I said maybe. I don't necessarily agree with you. Sure, we can call what they did on The Door Show a joke. She's Gorgeous. really attractive, yeah. right?
13: And she's got such a nice smile. I felt so sorry, sorry hear for really her. I she really puts out, too. I, I, <laughs> I felt very sorry for her to standing behind her father, like giving that look. you know, like She's stuck with that father.
17: But that's also what Rush Limbaugh said about his, and other people are saying about his, that it was satire that was a joke. And you may think that, you know, the comments were made not towards the daughter, but towards Rick Santorum itself. Okay, that's great, but then we're just going to make his daughter the sacrificial lamb. Okay, we're going to make jokes about his daughter, which were distasteful to get at Rick Santorum. I don't know. Doesn't seem quite right to me. And, and the other thing, too, now that this is all, you know, going on in Fresh limbo, the right, the self-righteous right are just looking for ways to uh, deflect From themselves and from what Rush Limbaugh said, and they're looking for anything. They're going after Bill Maher now for what he said and that he donated a million dollars to Obama. But from somebody looking from the outside into what you are saying about it's not comparable, it was just a joke, what if they're not enlightened enough to see that? And they take what was said on the Jimmy Dore show and they conflate it and they, you know, make it bigger than it was. All I'm saying is if we're going to call people on the carpet for what they say on a radio show, just like they did with Rush Limbaugh, then I I think we need to hold ourselves to the same standard. And I don't think what was said on the Jimmy Dore show is holding ourselves to that standard. Call it a joke if you want.
0: Call it, you know, you didn't find it funny, nor did you find it distasteful. I did not find the joke from the Jimmy Dore show in question to be funny. I didn't find it offensive, but I also did not find it funny.
17: Well, I did, and I think a lot of other people did, and I know everybody's going to tell me to lighten up, but I really think if we're going to hold everybody to a certain standard, then we need to hold ourselves to that standard too. That's my two cents. That's my rebuttal. Still love you all the way from Nanjing, China. Take care. Bye.
2: Hi, Jay. This is Mara from Pittsburgh, and I'm calling about your response to the caller Joe from China. I must say, I was a little disappointed. You tried to explain the joke, but I take it that we all know it was a joke, but that's not the point. So, what if instead of talking about Santorum's daughter, the joke had been about his son, say, or some other politician's son, and he said, Oh, you know, I heard he's a faggot, or I heard he's a fag? It doesn't matter whether he was trying to be funny, it's offensive and unacceptable. Why? Because these words have traditionally been used to target gay people as bad, dirty, not quite human, etc. The parallel here is that calling a woman a slut or saying that she puts out has also been used in the same way, to marginalize, demonize, or otherwise put down women. We don't generally call men sluts or say that men put out, even when we may be criticizing their sexual behavior. No, those words and phrases are reserved for women in order to target them for ridicule, shame, or exclusion. So I think you are right that it's not the same thing as Limbaugh calling Sandra Fluke a slut and a prostitute. But it's not okay just because he's a progressive trying to make a joke. Every time we use those words, even in jest, we are perpetuating a stereotype that's harmful to women. Thanks, Jay. Keep up the good work. Bye.
14: hey Jay, uh, this is patrick from uh, near dallas every time i hear rush limbaugh talk i want to get him an inhaler but also he obviously has no concept of how contraception works when he thinks that somehow if you have more sex that you are are, are requiring additional contraception
4: and testifies she's having so much sex she can't afford her own birth control pills
14: That was true in the 50s with condoms, but basically, most people are on a monthly or a long-term contraception, and the the contraceptive costs are the same, regardless of how much sex one would be having. And so, obviously, conservatives in view of a market economy would be wanting people to lower their unit costs, so anyone on contraception should just be having tons of sex. So it's, it's a less per unit cost. It's actually... Saving you money to have more sex. He's he's got it completely backwards. And uh, anyway, that's my thoughts on the uh, the uh, economics of uh, contraception. Thanks very much. I love the show. Bye.
9: Hey Jay, this is Andrew I'm from Brooklyn. I just got done listening to your latest podcast, which was awesome. The one about economics, where in the voicemail section you talked about the false comparison between the Jimmy Dore show and Rush Limbaugh, and I was hoping I could pose a question to you about a similar comparison and you get your opinion or maybe some of your listeners' opinions. As you know, the whole Rush Limbaugh controversy has sparked some criticism about Mitt Romney's response to Rush Limbaugh in which he said that he would not have used the same words Rush Limbaugh had used or something to that effect about Sandra Fluke, everyone thought it was a half-assed sort of response to Limbaugh's comments, and so now some people on the right are claiming that if the expectation is that Mitt Romney should have to apologize for what um, was said by Limbaugh, that Obama should also have to apologize for things that are said by Bill Maher.
2: Comedian Bill Maher, who last week gave $1
1: million to a super PAC supporting President Obama, has said some nasty things about Sarah Palin,
3: calling her the C-word and other names without repercussion.
9: Who, as you know, you've played his clips on your show, he can be fairly racy, and he's donated a hefty sum of money to Um, barack obama super PAC, and so as someone who's played those clips on your show i was wondering if you might tell us if you think that is also a false comparison does mark get a free pass just because he calls himself a comedian also i like the thing you're doing now where you play the clips during the voicemail so everyone knows what we're talking about i think that's cool thanks for doing what you do bye
0: Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So uh, lots to respond to uh, as this conversation continues, and uh, so I'm, I'm just going to go down the list. I got some notes here. So to Joe from China, I think that our our, our disagreement is less stark than it uh, appears, and, uh, and and actually that we have both done. a a, a bit of a bad job expressing our opinions. So I continue to think that the comparison uh, between what happened on The Jimmy Dore Show and Rush Limbaugh's comments is such a profoundly bad comparison that it actually obscures the really good point that you're trying to make. And so, uh, so the one the one thing you said that I wanted to uh, actually uh, really point out was that you, that you said that I didn't find the joke distasteful, and so I, I dropped in the clip of myself uh, saying that I didn't find it offensive, and, uh, and and if I had been asked the question or if I had thought to comment on it, uh, I, I would have said that I did actually find it distasteful. I, I tr- sort of tried to get that point across by uh, you know demonstrating how I sort of sighed, kind of a little bit in disgust, like eh, yeah. I, I, I see what you're trying to do with that joke, but it's not really for me, uh, that sort of thing. So I, I actually did find it distasteful. I just didn't find it offensive. And within the last three days, I figured out why I didn't find it offensive. And 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 the best reason I can come up with for why I didn't find it offensive was because not only that I'm a man, but I'm a relatively unenlightened man who has not fully made the transition uh, away from my male privilege to to you know really embrace on, on a on a uh fundamental level the the sort of empathy towards feminism that uh that i 'm working towards so the truth is I really should have been offended and just wasn 't really quite uh on the ball enough to be offended by it instantaneously i like I had to have people explain to me that I should have been offended, and now i 've come to agree with that. So I think that there is a lot of nuance here to kind of parse through, and so when I say that 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 I found the joke uh, distasteful and and uh, and offensive, that doesn't mean that I think that the comedian in question should be asked to apologize. I don't, you know, I think I think that there there are two sides of this coin. One is intention, and one is perception and its larger effect on society. And so, as as Mara from Pittsburgh brought up that every time words like that are used, they perpetuate negative stereotypes about women in society. And so that is on the perception slash effect side of the coin. And now Frank Conniff, who, who made the joke, you know, he's c- coming from the, uh, from the intention side. There's no question in my mind that he did not intend to inflict any, uh, uh, any such harm on women in society. And his intention, I believe, was pure. And so because of those intentions, I don't think that, you know, I think it's possible to say that it was an an offensive joke that does not rise to the level of demanding an apology the same way Rush Limbaugh's situation does. I think that the most you can ask from, you know, a comedian in this situation or any comedian or anyone, including myself with any sort of, uh, you know, public platform is that uh, they do the best with the knowledge they have and never stop trying to do better than that. Always uh, continue to try to learn more, try to refine uh, what you say and how you say it, and and, and try to make progress in in those terms. So I don't think that Frank should uh, apologize for that joke, but I do think that uh, it would be really good for him to hear this conversation, be exposed to this other perspective, and then decide for himself how to proceed in the future. You know, does he want to steer away from, uh, you know, making jokes with, with uh, using words like that or does he think it doesn't rise to the level uh, and and he could continue on? And that's up to him. It's, I, I don't think that we should be policing com- comedians and, and tell them exactly which words they are and are not allowed to say. I think that be, it should be left up to their own judgment and then, you know, and then we're all left to our own judgment to decide how we feel about it. Now uh second second uh, big issue, uh the comparison about should Romney apologize for what Rush said and should Bill Ma you know the Bill Maher Obama thing. Um Romney shouldn't apologize for anything Rush said. There's no connection there. Romney should apologize if he apologizes for anything, he should he should apologize for what he said, which is it was his poor reaction to the Rush Limbaugh situation that he should apologize for, if anything. And that's totally up to him and his campaign strategy and, and who he wants to appeal to. I mean, if he wants to appeal to, you know, the the, the cavemen in the country, well, then you you double down and you say, yeah, I'm, I'm with Rush. Women are terrible. And so Obama, it's not a parallel situation. Bill Maher didn't come out and say anything terrible to which Obama then responded, you know, hey, like I wouldn't have called... Uh, uh, Sarah Palin a cunt but yeah I, I, that's pretty much how I feel about her you know he, he didn't say anything like that so it, it's not a parallel uh, comparison and as for Bill Maher himself the question came up you know he gets uh, played on this show on occasion here are my thoughts on Bill Maher and and I've it's never needed to come up before but here are my thoughts I think that Bill Maher is correct in his opinion about 70 percent of the time and I think that the way he conveys his opinions is correct about 15% of the time. Uh you know, I think I think he's mostly right. Uh and then when he's wrong, I think he's spectacularly wrong. Uh but then even when he's right, when he's given his opinions, I think he does it in such a terrible way that it makes me really, really cringe inside and uh and, and have this like special pit of anger. Uh, that that I save and reserve just to be directed at him. So uh, so yes, you'll you'll hear him played on this show on occasion, but it's pretty rare. And the times that you hear it are the times that just barely pass that test where there's the correlation between his opinions being correct and the way he conveys those opinions also being correct. and uh, and, and then even sometimes during those clips, I, I will actually edit out some of the jokes that he puts in the, his little commentaries because I think they're terrible. So it just so happens that this question has been asked of a person who, uh, who has a, a long record, you know, if you like talk to the people who I talk to in real life, uh, I, I have a long track record of having bad things to say about Bill Maher. So he will be getting no defense from me. Uh, I, I hate the th- sorts of jokes he makes, uh, uh, you know, the words he uses against Sarah Palin and, and all the rest. I think it's just awful. Now, as you just heard in the actual show, Jimmy Dore broke this down specifically talking about Bill Maher and and this whole situation. And he is more defensive of, of Bill Maher coming at it from a comedian standpoint. And I, I think he, he breaks down something that's very important about the difference between uh, good comedy and either bad comedy or things that just simply aren't comedy, which is that uh, when... When you are attempting to be satirical and you're attacking the powerful, you have a much stronger case calling that comedy than when you attack, as Rush Limbaugh did, a private individual with with no reason uh, to be attacked and certainly no power to attack. That's just bullying. And so to say that Bill Maher should be excused for his comments because he's attacking the powerful it 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 goes a long way towards describing how i feel about that but in bill Mars case in particular I, you know the the terms he uses and and just a lot of a lot of what he does i find not just funny enough not just distasteful but definitely outright offensive uh to the point that you know i can't stand to listen to it a lot of times so there we go i think this has been an incredibly uh so there we go. I think this has been an incredibly productive conversation. If you have more comments to send in on it, please do. Uh, I, I have every reason to believe that this conversation will continue for at least one more show. And, and we'll, we'll see what, uh, what other comments we can get on the subject. So until then, I want to thank a few more donors. I am up to 70% getting so close now. Uh, I'm raising $2,400 for uh, climate change nonprofits, and uh, I'm up to $1,684 with the recent help of uh, Jim, uh, Ronnie or Ranny, Brett, and uh, and then Catherine came in uh, with a uh, with a very generous $100 donation, and I didn't even have to go back to my records to remember that this particular Catherine is, I believe, like member number two best of the left member number two or three or somewhere right up there in the top five so huge thanks uh to jim ronnie brett catherine and all the rest who have donated uh to my ride uh this is uh it's very exciting very sure i'll be reaching my goal very soon now if you'd like to support the show itself you can become a member or a one-time donor to the show that of course is incredibly helpful. You can help uh, spread the word of the show by just telling everyone you know about it or by spreading the word of individual clips to everyone you know.
9: Black pines now, black and white cause You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room The shadow bases the floor. we will take you out in the open just a fond farewell to a friend It's not what I'm like It's just a fond farewell